Alrighty then. Oh, I've got, I've got it on two papers. Of course you do. <laughs> Alright, welcome to our episode two, two of our podcast where we drive around and tell the stories of pictures that we find during this quarantine time, the non-Instagram photos of our life, and tell the weird stories behind them. And we're driving, so that's the road noise that you hear. And right now we are driving, after doing episode one, where we drove from Bend to Corvallis in Oregon, we're driving Corvallis to Bend. And oddly enough, Bend is nice and sunny today. And where Greg has decided to drag us out to is cold, wet, rainy, dreary, and... Beautiful. It's so green here. It is very green. And there's lakes and dense forest and flowers and deer right there on the side of the road. And we're Welcome driving through the, the Cascade Range. to the ongoing conflict of Texas versus Oregon. I'm Texas. He's Oregon. That's and our it's marriage. it's so beautiful here. Jerry and Garcia, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Pick that movie out. And here's the difference is Jen is driving this time. And I have the outline. He's got his yellow papers. I got yellow papers. He just bragged that he only did two pages versus my four to seven of an outline. So we'll see how that works. Mm -hmm. Maybe good or bad. Jen's better at telling stories than I am. She's like real, um, she draws the emotion. Well, guess what? I can drive and tell stories at the same time too. So... I know, and I'm like all about like, oh, the roads and the temperature and the <laughs> conditions of... The asphalt. Uh, yeah. Okay. And the truck is running like and needs an oil change now, and it doesn't, but you know what I mean. I'm all yeah. logic, Jen's like the emotion well, and fun, and she's way cooler than I am, and it's just always what have I have been. to deal with. Always have been, but to keep these oil changes coming, we're going to need to get some of ads sponsored on these podcasts, because <laughs> currently we're out of work thanks to the quarantine, been laid off for almost two months. We're so driving along this river, though, that's freaking beautiful, yeah. and the rain's coming down, and the sound you're hearing is probably the windshield wipers, because the rain's thin enough to where you don't hear the pitter-patter, I don't think, of the big raindrops that we get in Central Oregon, just like Texas. Central Oregon is big, just like Texas. No, it's nothing like Texas. Anyway, so tell me about the picture that we're picking out today. Okay, so we've got a picture of Jen standing next to a house that we have in Issaquah, Washington, a rental that we had in Issaquah, Washington in 2010, I think, maybe mid, somewhere around there, 2010-11, we had left Austin, Texas, and moved to Issaquah, Washington, which is right out of Seattle, and Jen is standing with a gun next to her side, (laughs) and the Ultra Van that we moved across the country in, a 1969 Ultra Van. Which is is like a motorhome, basically. Motorhome is in the background, camper, really. And there is, I think you can see the maroon Volkswagen we bought. Yep, the maroon Volkswagen is back there. Charlie's taking a big old dump behind us. And we have our nice raised bed of organic lettuce. So a gun, some organic lettuce, a VW van, and a dog taking a shit in the yard. This is our photo. Nacho neighbor. Nacho neighbor. And we will get into that. Yes. Why we are not your neighbor. And Nacho was our neighbor. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so this kind of, we're not trying to stay chronological, but for some reason it's happened chronological probably because. But do not expect picture. chronological at any nope. point in this podcast because it's just the, something we promised to deliver. Don't expect us to follow rules. Look, or I don't form. need you to tell me to live my life. That's right. Okay. Now me, 
I would probably outline the whole damn thing before I even started, so I'm glad Jen has me doing this. And it's just like drive. how I like to paint, like you brought up in the red trailer. I just jump in and I start making stuff happen. She jumped in and she says, you know what, if we drive, we talk, and figure there's audio out. on we'll the dash cam, and I'm like, the audio's not good enough, and, uh, and here we are. And here we are. We've got like, what, four episodes under our belt already in a couple Three of days? Three pilots and two episodes. So five, so yeah, we're doing Well, this is good. our fifth. Right, well, yeah, we'll have Podcast. It. In like two or three days, so kudos to Jen, because also I went and thought, oh, I'll go in and edit these things and clean them up, mm-hmm. and that didn't work at all, so we just are dumping them raw. Yep, and that's how it's going to be, because that's just easier for us to produce and actually turn something out, so anyway, let's move on. Okay, so that's, uh, we're driving the pick, organic lettuce, and nacho neighbor, so okay. back to the, okay, now we're going into the body, so the rise and fall of Issaquah, I like how you said that. The rise and fall of Issaquah in 11 months. It's almost po- poetic. Yes. So we left we, last podcast, and like we, we were said, this happens to be extremely successful and career, and everything was going really well. It was, Greg. In God. Texas. Jesus. You want to lay the sarcasm on any Yes, thicker? because actually you started this whole thing with how much she hated the Northwest, and she's all about Texas, and we were doing really good in Texas. And I was like, maybe we shouldn't leave Texas because things were going so well for it's us. It's all right. It's, you know... And she it's was not like, like you've made great decisions she, in this marriage either. It's true. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so she says, yeah, she's while we're walking around in our Jesus fantasy Christ, life. We're just in. We're, we left. Can you just say we left Austin, Texas, and we're in no, Issaquah? No, because the contrast okay. is significant. And that she was like, get me out of Texas. It's too high. It was four to three to, years later. Okay, like we did a. Uh, and she's like, I have to go to the Northwest right now. I'm like, not a good time. She was like, we're going anyway. So we went. He's not wrong. <laughs> so it came. So we're, she's on a whim right there. We had our 11 year our Volkswagen thing that we had had for 11 years. It was kind of the baby's car. And we had a. We drug this thing all over the country behind our RV as Bernie and family. It was just. Oh, it's an yeah. epic car. And we had it for 11 but years. But we outgrew it. The kids were getting it in their teenage yeah, we, years. And they were too big for the. It was just. It was hard. It was a hard We shouldn't drive. have got rid of it, is what it results yeah. in. But we did because it partly funded getting the Ultra Van. So we it needed a camper, basically. We had the Volkswagen thing and we had a beautiful white 95 Grand Marquis. Oh my god, you cannot. <laughs> You cannot put an E on it and try to spice it up. I'm sorry. It was third thing. Okay. It was a fucking grand marquee we got from Mother, his mother. Yes, it was so, so anyway, comfortable. Anyway. It, it was really comfortable. So um, so we sold that, and we sold the Volkswagen. Yep. We liquidated all that cool shit. We had some cash. And that we, we liquidated all that cool shit that we put in that Wilson Street house that we spent enormous Oh, yeah. We sold the little red striped trailer. We, yeah. we cleaned out all the furniture and everything else. Yep. We, and... Uh, got rid of everything and moved into a 1969 Ultra Van, which is a cool as hell vehicle. They built about 1,500 of them in the late 60s, early 70s, powered by a Corvair motor. They apparently got like 22 miles to the gallon because it was basically an aluminum barrel. And uh, ours was, if you Google Ultra Van 401, you'll see the one we took across the country. Ultra Van 401. We'll probably put it on the website too because it was awesome. Yep. We thought we would take it home and work on it and get it ready for a cross-country trip, and we didn't. We just kind of jumped We basically it, said, we? if anything's going to happen, it's going to happen, happen out, out there, there boss. Again, we like to drop movie lines in our podcast. Figure that one out. Get that one. And so, uh, after everything sold and we got the house re-rented or whatever happened there, uh, 
we jumped in the ultra van and that was in all our shit did we keep a storage room you know what we did we built those storage cubes out in our front yard with that shitty wood and i was like greg i think this is pretty weak wood i don't know oh, if yeah, this is gonna hold our crates. prized possessions and we built these shipping crates on our own i was really sketched out about it i really wanted to buy already made something oh, that's right because we were thinking if we ended up staying in seattle and wanted them then we could pay somebody to go pick them up put them on a truck easily did we leave them is that when we left them and in i bastrop? think we left them out in bastrop yep in bastrop texas we which created is right all our crap left it in bastrop in a storage building with the intention of moving it all up to seattle if we ended up building a life there yep and jumped in the ultra van with basically backpacks and the three kids two two three dogs kids. Did we have two dogs uh we had charlie, charlie and, and trixie, trixie and the yeah. kitty we yeah had charlie and chichi Forrest. and the kitty and so um and this thing doesn't have air conditioning it apparently would do and it wasn't we bought it in san antonio and drove it to austin it would run about 60 miles an hour if you kept your foot on the floor yeah so we we're like at least it does 60 we can get there yeah pretty quickly. we're like this is cool and figured we'd have issues with it there was some starter issue actually when we started actually yeah, we bought it and then couldn't get it off the lot and had to replace the starter that on should the have lot. been our it's fucking a, yeah okay anyway so so we took we started the thing got it to the point where it would start Yep. And we started it and started driving like, this north. This seems like a good time to go. Yes, and it was July, I think, too. It was really hot. Yes, we did your birthday on the road, so. Me and Jen, me and Austin went and bought a bunch of tank tops, and I hadn't worn a tank top, so we bought okay, the white we, wife beaters. I was going to say, these aren't tank tops. These are, we you, did. Bought, you we bought went them to straight Walmart. up ribbed white wife beaters at Walmart. And we were kind of having fun. And with like them. a five pack. Yes, and it was great. Yeah, I it wore was. those forever. Yeah, because we knew we were going to be sweating our asses off, so the boys prepared for the trip yeah. like that. So we basically drove Texas from Austin to Amarillo is literally like 12 hours, something and it's like flat, that. Flat, and flat. it's super flat, and the RV was running great. We're like, we're gonna make it. This we're is like, awesome. this is fantastic. We're having so much fun. We're camping. I think the first night we camped uh, somewhere, and it was a little sweaty and sticky. And yeah. then we got to Amarillo, and then basically once you, if you're in a, I don't know, what is this, 80 horsepower? <laughs> oh, I think <laughs> it, was, it was like 64. It was insanely not powerful yeah underpowered is an understatement but it did 60 to amarillo but turns out when you turn left in amarillo which is west it's uphill all the way to the coast the pacific coast yep and you don't notice that normally yeah when you have a regular car with regular horsepower but we were like going west out of amarillo going what happened something's wrong and nothing was wrong and the foot's on the gas pedal, and it actually only has, it was an automatic with two speeds. It had first gear and second gear. Yeah. And I think we were in second gear with the foot on the floor, and we were running about 40, 45 miles an about hour. About 45 miles an hour on average, yeah. Until we got maybe closer to the pass. Yeah. Yeah, I think we probably went up, we were heading towards Colorado. We were just going to the Colorado route, because I wanted to see Colorado. I love Colorado. We all did at oh. the time. Oh, wait, wait. You- Hold on a second, because, oh, I want to live in Colorado one day. I love Colorado. I yeah, love, I love Colorado. Colorado. We moved to Colorado. Guess who doesn't like Colorado? Yeah, this is a lot. So, After hmm. this trip, and that, anyway, yeah. So and we lived Jen's in Colorado for about one. a year, and I, yeah. Love Col- I love visiting Colorado. Like, Jen loves visiting Oregon. the Northwest. Like, I love hmm. visiting Texas. Oh, I love this conversation. I love where this is going. Oh, babe, so keep turns talking. out keep we just talking. need to stay on wheels, and we have said that before. Yeah, we, we do. We have that. to live on wheels, and That's we keep trying thing. to buy a house or rent something. We and gotta stop trying to buy houses, man. We're or not. even to rent them for that matter. God, the 
visas never work out. Well, we'll get to that point. Okay, anyway, so we're... Get so, somewhere close to... Col- I think it's Raton Pass is what you get close to. Uh, kind of north where you touch yeah. New Mexico and you start going into Colorado. And there's some pass up there. And we're crawling at this point. We're probably doing 2025 up the pass, if even that. Because it was yeah, down in first gear, yeah, wound up. Low, and man. Might have been 15 miles an hour over the pass. Then you float down the other side. And actually, I don't think there's another side at that point until the coast. Basically, it's carbureted, right? It's an old, and if you know anything about mechanics, is once you get into thin air, which is altitude, Mm -hmm. then the carbureted vehicles stop working well. And you have to adjust jets and timing and all kinds of craziness. It's complicated. So the thing's starving for air because of the altitude. We're climbing hills. I think we estimated at some point in time that we averaged like 35 miles per hour across the country. I think it was, yeah, I think when we started getting across the country, we went from 45, we went from 60 to 45 down to 35 miles an hour all the way to the... And the only reason we knew what speed we were going is because of that GPS we won from the mustache party, where I actually won a GPS at a costume sweater and mustache An party. An ugly sweater party, a Christmas party. David Neff. Yep. And, um, and so... I basically put on a sweater for a like a two T. It was we. It was a Gap toddler two T sweater that Greg carved himself into. Yeah, so my a belly's hanging man. out, and I ain't got a belly. I mean, I ain't got a six pack by any means. No. <laughs> I got a belly, and we I got a little bit of hair. I'm not a hairy man, but yeah. I shaved my stomach hair into a mustache. Because the theme of the party was the ugliest sweater with mustache party. Or something like that. So Greg knocked out both of them. He shaved a nasty mustache over his belly button with what little sporadic chest hair yeah, what or belly hair. Yeah, what little be- belly hair he did have, which I was horrified because I am a woman that loves her man with some hair. And I was like, and I Greg, ain't got much hair. And he doesn't have much to spare. I was like, Greg, what if it doesn't grow back? Or this is over. This marriage is over. Bottom line, we won a GPS we and did it actually G- gave us a speedometer <laughs> in our old Ultra van. <laughs> And we figured out I, there might have been a trip meter on it or something, too. But anyway, we guessed that we were doing 35 miles per hour. Volkswagen vans were passing us, and they yeah. were freaking out like and laughing. Like old Woodstock. The ones that are always in your way when vans. you're on a road trip, and you're like, why are these old hippie vans in my way? Why are they even running and, anymore? Yeah. Yes. So we were the ones they were passing. <laughs> that was a trip. Yeah. So we're just, we, we settled into it. We're like, okay, this is better than walking. <laughs> Walking to the northwest. Yes. Yeah. And it kept dying. Remember, I think it was getting, um, what do we call it, vapor lock? Vapor lock. Yeah, and we so learned it would about like, vapor lock in Bride, And I'm Colorado. not even positive it was vapor lock, but basically the thing wouldn't restart or it would, I don't think it ever died on oh, us. Oh, it kept stalling us. We, we checked in at the Rocky Mountain National Park. Yes. And we couldn't get it. We turned it off at the check-in visitor center to get our campsite. Yep. And we couldn't start it for another 30 minutes or something. Yeah, we were blocking so, Rocky Mountain traffic to check into the campground. And, and I'm relatively mechanical, and I had my bag of tools, and we were checking it out. And, and I think I assumed vapor lock, but never got anywhere. I was like, look, we're going to be on the coast and down at Seattle level soon, so I'm not going to worry about it. And so I'm just going to keep this thing running. When so it, when it would we start... We would wait it out, it would start. And then it would run. Yeah. It, it was not running strongly <laughs> but it would run but yeah. we did we went and saw bishop's castle again down in rye colorado yeah we keep running which was into beautiful bishop's we castle. stayed away from the interstates completely yeah we were a danger to society yes we were definitely and the more i'm talking about it i believe we we're starting to become a danger to our children oh it was definitely dangerous the seats the front seats no seat belts in this thing oh the front seats and weren't even bolted down were not bolted down you could spin them it was by design on this thing you spin the front seat 
No, we when we went up, we did have front seats, no seat belts, but they were captain's chairs that were bolted, and we would spin those around, and we ended up undoing those up later. Okay. Another story, the thing was incredibly dangerous. If <laughs> you got in a wreck, you're going to die. Yeah. But fortunately, you couldn't go very fast. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Maybe take a fender <laughs> out or something, I don't know. Okay. So, yeah, so we saw Bishop's Castle, which you'll have to look that up and go check it out if it's even still a thing. I think he died. But, um, and then we went to Rocky Mountain National Park and camped there. We had a solar shower. We rigged up a, a outdoor shower. And, yeah. Uh, we had a, we kind of rigged a toilet at some level. We were the family that other all-American families with actual motorhomes were looking at in the park. But and they were looking at first... us like we were freaking cool because the thing looked yeah, awesome. Yeah, the thing looked awesome, but internally i'm sorry my ego kind of took a hit because i was watching all these other families oh my god because we had a nice rv that you know we just outgrew and, and let go because we were we moved into houses and stuff like that but then when we took on this little vintage project it was cool but when you're traveling at 35 miles an hour you start kind of feeling like cousin eddie and then when you have to shower outside the, the feeling really starts sinking in i wonder too we might have bought the thing with the full intention of really fixing it up like spending time and money on it to make it like really really cool because we've done that in the past yes and then we just got the wild hair to go to seattle and we say hey we got a home on wheels to live in let's just do it and we didn't that ever sounds get to fixing like it us up. that sounds like us. we did fix it up once we got to seattle before we came back later anyway so we were in rocky mountain rocky we were mountain taking National our Park. showers outside which is illegal so we were doing them at we night had to avoid the interstates because it wasn't fast enough um so we're taking all back roads which takes enormously longer uh, and it, like in mileage wise um, and then I think it was our next we got to this point where we ended up um, I think we had to run 84 if I remember right an which, interstate up over Wyoming or Montana Wyoming which brings us to Table Rock so there's yeah I don't know exactly where it is but Table Rock was awesome it we was went and visited it was it was off of that interstate and that interstate, we were literally doing 30, 35 miles an hour, and the semis would be passing. We're in the in the in the shoulder, a, running with the blinkers on or the hazards on. It kind of barely worked. They were very dumb. It was old. It was and, a two-lane highway on both sides. Two lanes. No, the yeah, the interstate. It was yeah. the interstate. And but trucks it was two are, lanes on north, or east, and westbound. So we literally had to ride the shoulder. Yeah, the semis are we blazing. Couldn't even, we couldn't 80, even make a slow lane on the highway. Yes. That's what And I'm it was to say. dangerous. That one felt dangerous. That so, was dangerous. It was terrifying. Yeah. So anyway, but it's Table Rock was this place somebody had told us about, which is this abandoned uh, subdivision that was like cool as heck. So it was like built in the 80s, and it was all these tri-level yeah. houses and a gymnasium. It was built around some sort of industry for the workers to bring their their wives. Um, I think it was a mining industry or something. I'm and not sure what the industry was, but it so was they in the, lived there for a while and then failed. It was in the middle of nowhere, and so they that's why they built the subdivision. They built the school. They built the playground. So it was like a mini subdivision in the middle of nowhere so they could have all the trappings of regular life or whatever. Suburban. It yeah. Was a, it was but, a, yeah. In the middle of nowhere. And then all of nowhere. a sudden the industry, I guess, dried up and everybody left. And so there's this neighborhood that's just been totally walked out on. And there's some houses still have furnishings in them. Um, I think the buffalo took over, though. I think the buffalo? doors got knocked down and the buffalo, like, would poop all in the garages and, and we're talking bunker like for down years, in the winter. So it yeah, was this was years worth of buffalo poop in the garage. But and the glass wasn't all broken. It was kind of off the beat. You had to know about it. It wasn't something you'd stumble into. So you basically pull into the neighborhood, you park, you walk in, and it's just like 
pick a house, any house, and you can walk right into it. You can go upstairs, into the bathrooms, cabinets, closets. It was the freakiest thing. And then to see people's belongings, and it's been run down. It's obviously been empty for 20, 30 years. And to see people's belongings just still there, scattered in the wind. The curtains are blowing out the window, oh, all tattered. Oh, so trippy. And then, so we were just like walking from house to house. Well, let's go check out this house. So let's check out that house. And we'd go all through the houses and we'd find like kids writing on the wall in that closet. Remember that was... Oh, crazy. yeah. And there was some graffiti, but not a lot. Yeah, because it's... And the there was a lot of glass, we're... like nobody broke. And like, I think we let our kids break glass. Yeah, we actually let them because there were still windows in some of the houses. You know, there's people have been out there, but because it's so remote, it, there hasn't been a lot of vandalism. You know, you, there's been some, but not a lot. So we decided to let our kids throw some rocks into living room windows and stuff. And that was, was so fun. That was really cool. But one spooky part of that whole thing was um, going into that gymnasium and that school, remember? And yes. the, the rack, they had a big racquetball court that had been completely shattered down. So massive piles of crushed glass. Oh, yeah. And we we're hanging in there. And the whole time we had been walking around Table Rock neighborhood. Um, we just had this feeling like you felt like somebody oh was watching you the whole time, but there's nobody out there, which makes it even weirder. There's no cars. No one's cut. It's not a, it's not, it's not a popular destination or anything. So the whole, the whole time we're walking through the houses, we just got this vibe that like somebody's watching you the whole time though. We didn't see anybody. We made it to the racquetball court, checked it out, the gymnasium. And while we're standing in the gymnasium, do you remember that door? Just yep. closed slammed. Oh yeah. And it was on the other side of the gym and we and all it echoed through. Yeah, we like, all like and we're like, we gotta go. Yeah. And so we, we skedaddled <laughs> out of there, but we never saw anybody. But that, that was, was awesome. But it was like clearly a door that just doesn't blow open. It was a heavy door and it opened and it closed and definitely haunted. Or somebody was watching us about to murder us. So we got out of there pretty quickly. But and, anyway, that was Yeah, so that was one of the so we did a lot of like touristy stuff on the way. We really took our time. There was some great, great memories from coming across. Well, soon after Table Rock, I kind of think it might have been before, doesn't matter. We were trying to avoid the interstates, and so we get off the interstate and we start heading in Idaho. We started heading, so it had to be before. But anyway, in Idaho, we start heading towards we come off the interstate and we were heading, we didn't know at the time, towards Montpelier, Idaho. And the engine made this horrible noise. This Fucking bang, Idaho. bang, 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 bang. It Every, let go. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen in Idaho. I swear to God. That place. Only one thing happened to us in that Idaho. That was enough. Well, it was in, in a story. So basically, the engine blew. It threw a valve seat and smashed a piston up in an old Corvair motor. Hard to find parts. We had no phone signal. and So we pulled over that little turnout and we tried to, like, I think you tried to. Yeah, I was monkeying around with stuff to see if I could figure out anything, turned it back on and off. I climbed and, up the hill to see if I could get a phone signal, the hill that we parked right next to. No yep. phone signal. It, it was, was hot. It was hot. And the funny thing is, is we had just gone through Wyoming, which is completely deserted, had perfect phone signal. The minute oh, yeah. we crossed into Idaho, everything came apart, phone signal included. Oh, and the, and the camper and the motor. And so basically, we're sitting there, I think it was probably 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. We didn't have long to make something happen. And so we're sitting on the side of the road. There's hardly any traffic, if yeah, any at all. I don't know if there were hours. any cars. And so basically we decided Jen's going to hang out with the kids and I'm going to try to get a ride into town to get a tow truck. Yeah. And so we flagged down, a, a semi pulls over. A semi, you know, the big, big 18-wheeler truck pulls over to give me a ride. 
I waved goodbye to the kids and family well, thinking, you're going to be murdered. Yeah, you went up to the driver and said, hey, can you get a ride or whatever? He comes yep. back to us and he says, okay, i got to take this ride. It's our only option. And I remember thinking, fuck. Like, <laughs> that's terrible. It was just such a weird feeling to be left out there with all the kids in the middle of nowhere where this is the first car we've seen in hours. And then... Uh, the sun I, was going to go down eventually. Right, and, and then later. you're jumping in a truck, so I don't know if I'm ever going to see you again. Yep. And so... We said, all right, go for it. And so um, we watched Greg run up to the side of the truck, jump in the passenger seat. And I remember telling the kids, and I, again, <laughs> looking through these stories, lots of regret. But at the time, had Nothing no else idea. To do. What else? And I just looked at the kids, or I was watching Greg, and without breaking my stare on, as he drove off in the truck, I just mumbled to the kids. I said, well, kids, that might be the last time we ever see your dad. God. You're morbid. <laughs> You're just... Yeah, she wasn't the mom going, everything's going to be fine. We I got give, this. I don't want to give him false hope. <laughs> we were stuck so the, at the side of the road the in Idaho. The couple was amazing. I so I get a ride in a semi, and I grew up wanting to be a truck driver. So this is like a Great time of the time of his yeah, life. I, this is a blast for Fuck me. Fuck you. I'm standing on the side of the road. Now traffic decides to start coming. No, here. I'm super excited. The guy gives me shotgun. He's with his wife. They're from San Antonio. So we hit it off on that. That's oh, where they're Jen from and I Texas. Grew up. Yes. And so, and they're Mexican, and so we're just like getting along great. Had some great conversations. I'm scared for them. They drive me in, drop me off at a gas station. I start rounding up a tow truck, and it literally took, I think, three or four hours. Yeah, one way. Like, it was like, it was. Or, no, 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 no. I had three or four hours before I got back. Yes. It was a long time. It was dark by the time we got back. So, real quick, before you go on, I want to explain what me and the kids were enduring while you were chatting it up with fellow Texans. And society. And society. In your dream truck job ever. It was me, awesome. Me and the kids were now stuck on the side of the road. We were making some lunch or dinner or whatever at that time. It was so hot. We would go outside, try to cool off, but the mosquitoes were super thick. Oh, so yeah. we could only be out there for like five or ten minutes. Then we'd go back in the truck, in the ultra van, come back out. And one at one point, I was sitting in, on the side of the road with the girls in their little camp chairs. And um, now the hillbillies are starting to come out. I don't know if the sundown brings out the hillbillies or what. But now we've got these farmer hillbilly guys smiling at us, driving by. And I was like, girls, get in the car, get in the truck, or the Ultraman, we're going. We're just going to stay inside for the rest of the night until your dad gets here. And then nightfall happens and Greg shows back up. So I show up through, I show up at nightfall. <laughs> and they were really excited to see me. Oh, my God. I was like, yeah, the I tow literally truck cried. I ride with the tow truck driver back. And uh, he showed up with a bottle of tequila. Oh, yeah, I brought a bottle of tequila. That was a good move. And then the tow truck driver only had a single cab, and so the kids shoved in there three kids with the stranger truck driver. (laughs) And it's a flatbed that he put the ultra van on top of, and me and Jen rode in the ultra van on the back of this guy's tow truck with our children in his lap, basically. And Jen's bottle of tequila, so she was happy. I was happy, but I was nervous. I kept an eye on my kids, you know, from the front windshield. The front window to the back window but of the tow truck. This is funny. We were laughing so hard. Greg and I had the best time in that in that ride because we we're like, can you fucking believe this happened to us? Oh my god, we still don't we we don't know what we're gonna do once we get to the nearest city. We still have to figure out an engine and all that stuff. But it was one of those moments where we were, we couldn't be mad if we tried. We were just laughing our ass off. The tequila helped. We yes. were taking, we we're passing the bottle back and forth. We were hammered drunk by the time we got dropped off at the... Uh, oh, yeah, I drank with you. Yeah, and I drank a lot that night. Yep, and, and it uh, doesn't take much for me. We were hammered drunk by the time the tow truck dropped well, us off. Side note is the tow truck's like, where do I drop you off? And we're like, I have no idea, dude. 
and <laughs> we didn't even have a destination. We're like, yeah, in the city town. because I don't know what to do. And he was like, oh, I know this campground. I'm like, nah, we're not gonna want to pull into a campground at midnight, one o'clock. On a tow truck. In a 1969 this is not gonna Ultra bode van. Well for our reservation. If you don't know, campgrounds, most campgrounds are like 10 years or older. If your vehicle is 10 years or older, go away. We don't want you here. And so pulling in in an old RV into a campground, I think he even said KOA, which is the ultimate, like, don't go there unless you're equipped. Yeah, and also you need reservations most of the time. And you need reservations, and they're generally expensive, and all of this, he goes, no, don't worry about it. I know these guys, they'll they'll put you up. So he drops us off at midnight, 1 o'clock, with this loud diesel truck. We're drunk. (laughs) And it's just loud in the in the and when he turns in the headlights are like blaring at the at the main office which KOAs have these A frame and the manager always lives in the top part and so it's just yeah oh, we're waking the whole so fucking neighborhood loud. up yeah we were we're waking everybody up you know everybody's it, uh, coming to the door seeing who's pulling in this late making all this noise so, and, and his chains are rattling and, and the kids are like what are we gonna do and we're like we're drunk we're like oh it'll be yeah, fine <laughs> we're this. We're KOA kids. Yeah, like, we're going to spend the night and figure it out in the morning. Yeah. God, we were <laughs> so, so drunk. The owner comes out. And I say we were drunk because we were trying so hard to get a buzz because we were so stressed out that oh, it, it all of a sudden caught stressful. up to us. It wasn't like we were just intentionally getting drunk. No, it was like insanely stressful. Yeah. So anyway, the owner comes out and you see him. It's a KOA shirt probably. And, and he's walking out towards us and we're like, here it comes. Yeah, and we're going to have to look it back up and we're going to have to... And the dude walks up and he's laughing and he goes, "That's one hell of an entrance." <laughs> we're like, "Oh, <laughs> oh man. thank God, he's smiling, he's laughing." And, we're and like, he goes, "Y'all go to sleep, catch me in the morning." And we're like, "That never happens." Never. And campgrounds. That was like so amazing. Campgrounds tend to be like these little, little, like tyrants, like running the campground. They love their rules. They love to enforce their rules i mean just that kind of hospitality with that kind of entrance is is very rare and koa is like the snooty typically the snooty campground yeah on top of it and nice they want their nicer rvs and their families on the weekends they don't want people that live in their rvs and show up and drunk old RVs night. and show up drunk on a tow truck <laughs> they want to make sure your rv can make it out and morning. i'm pretty sure you're wearing that goddamn white wife beater too that just didn't help. Oh, i bet i was i just couldn't help our case that would be interesting to see in the pictures because I wore, I had five of them. I, wore yeah, I know, them you had the, the five pack. It was very clear. You were going to wear those across the country. <laughs> oh, it was good stuff. So um, we wake up in the morning and we met Stuart and Kathy Marshall. We're running the KOA Montpelier and it turned out to be a lifelong relationship. And we ended up staying there. God, I feel like we could do a whole podcast on that experience. But we had to rebuild the motor as the, the piston smashed, the valve seat jumped and it piston smashed and screwed everything up. So you had to take the motor apart and replace the piston. And, and we were the sure head. they weren't going to let us do that kind of work. No, in, it's in our... major. They don't let you do, you know, change a tire in a campground yeah. a lot of the time. But they, so were, they cool. were compatible. And then they actually helped us out. And with, uh, they let us work camp is a thing too. And basically you work off your camp nights the yeah. cost of the spot that you're living in and we could we could afford to pay for the site but they were like we were going to be here a while so we don't yeah. want to take your money we want you to be able to like make this happen and we were like okay well we can't take that for free so we're gonna put ourselves to work yeah so we helped them build a bridge and we mm-hmm. helped them mow and water and do all and this guy won all the awards he was incredible and yeah and he an was one of those incredible people fancy owners he was uh he's he grew up grounds. or his career was a diver in hudson river in new york new yeah. jersey and he would go down there and dive and 
do pipeline or something like that or water cables or whatever and he had all this bottle collection of historic bottles and Kathy was amazing and she worked in the tech industry out there they loaned us their van so we could drive into town and around and we met all these kooky people and there's they let 100 us, stories yeah there. they lent us their van to go grocery shopping whenever we needed to and that's where we discovered hogwash if you watched our last episode oh yeah we talked about hog knocking and hog washing so that's where, uh, that's, that's where that came from <laughs> anyway we do have a lot of podcasts on that so let's either okay so anyway so we rebuild the motor it takes a month to get the parts and get the motor apart and back together and get the parts rounded up and everything else so we spent three or four weeks there. It was like, yeah, it was a good chunk of time. And so, um, had a ball, but we were ready to be in Seattle and, uh, we were ready to work too. So we, um, light it up and we get out of there and we made it to Newport, Oregon. Um, relatively, well, the alternator broke right out of there. And then we have this creepy mountain home, Idaho story where this pedophile was hitting on the girls and they're only 12 and we had to hide all the girls. They were, oh God, it was super creepy, but I needed the alternator. So, kind of stuck again lights going out so anyway we get the alternator we get out of mountain home idaho we still do 35 miles an hour across the cascade range and across the the pacific range and then finally on the other side of the pacific range you start going downhill and getting in um near near uh sea level sea level and the ultra van's running great again from the first time since we left texas oh my god and so then we could run but then the roads are curvy but it's beautiful newport oregon and we ended up driving the coast all the way to claylock which is a special place for us we'll talk about later and on claylock washington and then uh, drove around the Olympic Peninsula and ended up on Bainbridge Island, Bainbridge in, a camp, Island. in a campground. And we're getting ready to like head over. Bainbridge is right across the Puget Sound from Seattle and Issaquah and everything we know. We're getting, getting ready to see our in-law, my in-laws, Greg's step-parents, uh, Jeannie and Jack. We're all excited. We're starting to yep. build up to like we're here. Oh, and back up a little bit is the kids, the girls, and all of us were into Twilight. And so we did the whole Twilight thing, too. I can't believe you put that out there. I know, but the film, it was good stuff. We all enjoyed it. Kristen Stewart was amazing. We did like it, but I... We loved it. You didn't see me throwing that out there, but whatever. I know, she's embarrassed by it. A little bit. Yeah, me and Kess were totally... Everybody was into it. We were all into it. I'm just saying I wouldn't have put it out there for everybody to know. So we did the Twilight touristy sites, and we ended up watching all the movies and reading all the books. and Going to all the places. Going to all the places, and it was fantastic. And so Bainbridge Island, we needed to find and we had stashed away some money because we thought we'll buy a normal car when we get up to Seattle. Yeah, we could tow one with that Ultra Van, so that was our plan to get a car yep. when we got there. So we ended up finding another one of our favorite cars ever is on Craigslist. We stumbled on a 92 or 3 Volkswagen Eurovan. Yeah. And it wasn't the pop top, but it was uh, the seats faced each other in the back and had the little, little table. table and um, seat made out into a bed in the back. Seat made out into a bed. It was it, it was in pretty decent shape, but the kids always called it the smoke monster because there was something going on with the it was exhaust, made and it made this smoke monster sound from the movie Lost. Okay, well, let's not skip Lost. over the story too much because this is a good story a little bit. Um, the We found it. It was $1,000. Oh, yeah. And so we were Which like, well, incredible. there's got to be a lot of work that needs to be done to this thing. It's got to be a piece of shit. We're going to yep. go see it anyway. So... Here's oh yeah, because we were looking. We had looked at a five hundred dollars super crappy Astro van, and we were like, uh, "No way." No, and we yeah, we don't like to drive ghetto cars. We like to find cool finds. Yeah, something you want to put money into and, and do something cool. So anyway, I don't remember this too well, but this is the this is what I remember. We could we were going over. We had to take the ferry over to meet the Russian guy who was selling it. Remember? Yes. 
and we couldn't afford to take well we could afford but it was just going to cost a lot of money to put the rv on the ferry so we said kids we're going to leave you in bainbridge oh, island yeah. in the rv <laughs> and we're going to go meet this russian guy <laughs> yeah. and hopefully we're going to come back with the car and your dad and me and all uh, in one piece all in one piece but for now we need you to stay on an island in the in the ultra van and don't open the door so we left our kids on an island, jumped in a car to go I mean, meet a Russian. Were Twelve. Give I mean, or take they weren't years. infants, yeah. Yeah. So um, we, but we left them in the car to go meet a Russian dude to buy yes. the thing. Yeah. So that's so that's how we parent. We get over and we meet the guy in the parking lot, and we walk up to the van, and we're like, "Holy hell, this thing's beautiful!" It was, I mean, for an old van. But, it, but the paint was but the really paint nice. The paint was decent. And, yeah, it was really pretty. The, uh, you know, the front seat was maybe a little dirty, but the rest of the seats were like in perfect condition. Like brand new brand new and the headliner was a little banged up and it worked it would start and but it drive was clean. the whole thing and it was, was clean. clean turns out he used weird. it like a cargo van he took all the seats out which is why they weren't used which probably explains the headliner being banged actually, up actually not accurate but basically no. he bought it from a guy so he drove porsches and really nice vehicles he was he, he was loved so... the german vehicles yeah. and, he was, and he drove up in a porsche and with you know a buddy or something, I don't know how he, he got was the like the there. typical Russian in the movie that has the big flashy watch with like yes. his uh, flashy leather jacket that's super gaudy with all yes. the shit all over it. And he had it. this beautiful Porsche SUV, brand new. With the Russian girl that was yep. just as gaudy because yep. I don't know what it is, but like you know the Russians they just wear all everything they can to like symbolize their American. Oh, his success! Yeah. He was success, and yeah. he hated this van. He's like, I bought it because I was in between cars and it was easy. But apparently he and made he his money. he hated it. He didn't, it made noise. It was ugly. It was it was just the worst car in his mind ever. And so we drove this thing around and it was actually, for a thousand bucks, it was a sweet deal. Actually, and, I think it was 1500 and we saw it and we're like, oh, yeah, wow, we this is, and then he's like, I'll give it to you for a thousand. And oh yeah, we're he like, talked himself down. Yeah, we're like, okay, That's right. this doesn't ever happen. And then we were like, surely something's got to be fucked up with this van. But we could yep. not. We drove it. Couldn't find it. And anything. Greg's pretty mechanically inclined. He went through it. And it was clean. I mean, as good as you can in a parking lot. But it start ran. Didn't make too weird of noises. And the noises it made, I could figure. So all we could figure is that the guy finally came into his American success money. And he wanted to be done with that embarrassing part of his life. He literally said that. He was like, I hate this van. It embarrasses me. Take this van. And I it's like it. a no van way. that you would probably pay $5,000 for in a, in a lot. I mean, it yep. was like, it wasn't ugly. It was just this guy. Oh, it would definitely have been a $5,000 van in the lot. But this guy made it sound like, oh, he, I mean, he was just, he was here to prove his Russian family that he was an American success. And, and anything less than a portion. drove that thing, acceptable. I think, for five years and didn't do anything One to it. goddamn thing to it at all. Nothing. It was the most we didn't, solid it had car. tires. We didn't spend any money on this van for the, like the next five years, literally. And there's another story in there where at the end of it, I got the air conditioner. I yeah, ended up dumping a bunch of money and then the transmission busted. And it, but anyway. Too much. Too much. So we take the van back on the ferry. The kids are excited. That we made it home from the Russians. That we made it home. And it was cool because the seats faced each other with yeah. this little table from Volkswagen. They're really, really cool vans. But in the 90s, it was a bad van because the transmission. Don't get one. Never mind. So we have the van. The Volkswagen van and the Ultra van, and now we needed to go find a place to live, which was the intention. We were going to rent an apartment or something. Let me point out that most people that make a cross-country trip usually have all this shit figured out before they get in the car and drive to their next destination. <laughs> we yeah. drive and then go, yeah, we'll need a house. Let's go look for a house now. We'll need a job. We'll need a, <laughs> yeah, we just were like, I just don't want to live here anymore. We're going to move across the country. 
and we've done it enough by that point that it was just no big deal. Yeah, we once you do it a few times, you get it. But uh, which may be a good transition into my stepmom, who was in Seattle at the time. Yep, Janie. Janie's still in Seattle, but we're in 2010, and in the 80s, uh, my dad married a woman named Janie, and. It was great. I was 13 years old or something and spent some years with her. And then they got divorced and we lost touch. And we got back in touch with her in 2002, I think it was. And we reconnected. Like, I'm an adult now and she's older. And we we reconnected, like, wonderfully. Like, she's mom now. She's grandma and grandpa. Well, it's easy to do. Jeannie's the most sweetest woman you would ever meet. She's incredible. I can't believe that you've lost touch with her that long at that point. Yes, and the love was there and palpable and it was amazing and you want to call me out on that word? Yes. That's not a bad word. Pal- palpable. Palpable. Yeah. I'd like to see you spell that. P-A-L-P-A-B-L-E. Okay. Greg failed oh, at the spelling bee. Uh, let us all down. She thinks I'm use white privilege words. <laughs> well, you, Greg goes to white privilege school, gets the white it's privilege not, education, yeah, and he... Palpable is not so that way, but it is up there with your words. Okay. He likes I wish I wouldn't have brought that up, but we can move on. Okay, well, you so failed to Jack spell it. Jack and Jeannie. Jeannie married that. Jack, and we just kids were so loved them so much. And so me and Jack and Jeannie and Jen and the kids, we're all just reconnecting in Seattle and loving on each other. And they're there, and we're there. And I forget exactly where we stayed when we first landed in Issaquah, which is just east of uh, east of Seattle. Probably campgrounds. I don't remember. It's not that big of a deal. But whatever. But then Jack loaned us this old Mercedes convertible <laughs> to go look at the duplex, and that guy we looked like Blaine pulling up in this thing. <laughs> and so anyway, you would have had no idea we just crossed the country at 30 miles an hour oh, yeah. with a broken down engine in Montpelier, Idaho. I probably put a nice shirt Russians on. With Russians and VWs. Now and we're now we're Ferris cheers. Bueller in the car. Yep. And it was so, like a Ferris Bueller kind of car moment, you know. He meets us at this, um, it was a duplex, but it was an upper-lower duplex, and his upper uh, two-bedroom, three-bedroom, two-bath, I think. Yeah, it was a three-two. Yeah. And so it, the upper floor was for rent, and the lower floor was rented, and downtown Issaquah, which is where we had left way back in 01, and we loved this little city and wanted to live there, and, and so we like found this place. And it was like walking distance to everything, you know, you yes. could. And it was on a creek, which was cool. But anyway, so we find this place. We make the deal. There's really no story there. But it's a cool, it's got this wonderful porch looking out over this creek. And meadow over this, with this meadow house. with other houses. And then you could walk up to the mountain. Okay, the view was amazing as long as you went outside. We had this A-frame deck, huge deck. The view was amazing if you did not look down. Yeah, as soon as you got to the rail this, and you looked over the yeah. rail... That's where Nacho and his family lived. Yeah. So we were neighbors with a guy named Nacho. We lived above a guy named Nacho, and his yard reflected everything about a guy named Nacho. He did not give a shit. No, he had a bunch. Okay, now they weren't bad people. They were just super dirty. No, they dirty. were nice, but they were dirty. And they had a ton of kids. I don't know how many kids they and had they coming in there. And they made noise. These are downstairs neighbors who I swear every single morning and every night and all day long... They just literally bounced off the walls of this place. Well, it was primarily the mornings because the kids would wake up and get ready for school around 6 a.m. But, like, but they were stomping but they were on like, the walls. Yeah, they was like they were beating the walls all the way up and down the every day for the entire school year. We were just like, fuck, the kids are up downstairs. Yep. How weird is that? Like, it's usually the upstairs neighbors that are making yeah, that noise. Never hear the downstairs neighbors. Well, we heard them all the time. Yeah. And so... Where are we, how are we doing on your yellow papers? Oh, yeah, I hadn't even been looking at that. We got through that. We're at the Dogwood House. Okay. And so. we're on Nacho. 
and I put the flood on there and the, the creek. Actually, there's this thing called the Pineapple movie, Express. The Pineapple Express. It's actually and a so, weather system, not a joint or yeah, a bag of weed or whatever. But, but it's related somehow. So anyway, they called it this atmospheric river. And when we were living there in this little creek, this atmospheric river came through and it just rained like so thick like and it so does long in the and Northwest. so heavy. Yep. No, this was unusual. Well, it was for the, on the top Northwest. of already the yeah. already. So the creek rain. flooded and our house down it was inches from our bottom floor from Nacho's space. We were on the up, upper floor, but it was scary. Yeah. So we watched. It was the, pretty sketchy. We thought we were going to get flooded out, and we were prepared to leave. And kids were actually sand. Stuff. Kids actually sandbagged the neighbor's house with yes. them, so that was cool. Yeah. But anyway, move so on. So that was yeah the flood. And then Jimmy came to live with us. Oh, yeah. Jimmy, uh, we just brought Jimmy into our podcast um, last episode on the Hog Knocking episode. Yeah, so the Hog Knocker came to live with us. Yeah, the Hog Knocker came to live with us. And uh, yeah. Side note, so somehow me and Jen, this was kind of the first normal house. This was the actual first normal house with a master bedroom that we'd had since, oh my God, since 2001. And that wasn't even really, yeah, I guess it was 2001. We had this cool old house. But the kids had never had their own room, and we wanted to give them that experience. And there was three bedrooms, a master bedroom and two bedrooms. Yeah, they had been raised on the road most of their time, so they never really experienced what normal kids or regular kids or, I don't know, whatever you call kids that are not our kids. Made the bedroom our, made the living room our bedroom. Well, our theory was, like, give them the experience to have their own room, their own space. And we thought that was really cool. Then we were like, we're the ones that stay up later anyway, because this is when our kids still had bedtimes, you know, um, to go to their room and shut down or whatever. And we're the ones that were staying up late anyway, so we were using the living room. And so we just, we, oh my God, that reminds me, we, we did that and we, remember our bed? Do you remember getting that bed? Help me. Okay. So, so we give the kids the bedroom, so we need a bed. Remember, we showed up in an ultra van, so we also had to furnish this place. Again, just again. like we did on Wilson Street. And this time, well, not unlike Wilson Street, is we didn't have any decor or anything. No, we, we didn't. We showed up with backpacks. Yeah. But so, we have to we have to get ourselves a bed. So, um, I find a Craigslist ad for, like, this futon thing. It was right up our price range and everything. We go downtown Seattle, like, the middle of downtown Seattle to pick it up from this guy's oh, apartment. Oh, yeah. Don't say it like it's a good thing. That was oh. that guy was so disgusting. I can't believe we ended up taking that thing. It was a futon, <laughs> and the guy was so briny and greasy and smoky. Like he was smoking outside. He didn't. His shit didn't smell like smoke, so he wasn't smoking inside. But I remember. You remember the the neighbor we don't want to talk about from Wilson Street? Yeah. It was like that. You don't remember this? I do, I do, actually, because I, I think we turned that futon, we bleached it. Yeah, so it was a blue futon. It was a cool thing. It worked really well for what we were doing because we were going to be living in the bed, in the living room. So we wanted something that didn't look like a day bed or, you know, anything like that. So this was a good fit. It was a good piece of furniture. I just wish it didn't come from such a skeezy guy. <laughs> so we took it, against my better judgment, we took it, loaded it up in our new Volkswagen van, which was awesome to have that cargo space. It was and we hauled it back. We took it up there, and I was like, even the sheets, putting stuff on it, I just could not feel clean about it. So I was like, fuck it. We're going to bleach the shit out of this thing because that's just what I do. And, and I think we probably put a mattress pad, I bet, on it, too. Yeah, we, we got to separate ourselves from yeah, this thing. We got an egg crate or whatever those mattresses thing toppers yeah. are. So we got bleach, and we sprayed it all over that bleach uh, yep. of the blue sofa. And so we had forever, like, bleach spots all over it. But I soaked the shit out of it in Clorox clean up. 
then we put a topper on it and we put the sheets on it and we kind of felt okay about it but I I, I forget how gross that guy was why did yeah, we even I don't remember why? that as well I mean I remember it now but but it, like there's so many futons in a, in a place like Seattle we were having a hard time finding stuff yeah. For some reason. Well, we were also just... having a hard time finding work, remember? It was <laughs> just a thing, weird freaking time to be in Seattle. This falling apart. Like, this minute we got there... Yeah, we just... had this successful, independent business that we thought would translate easy anywhere. Yeah. Let's go out and do publicity, PR, technology for small businesses. Because we had been doing POS so great. systems. We have been making enough Everything. Money. We knew the talk. We knew what these businesses needed. Yep. And so, kind of early, me and Austin... Confidence was... Nothing, we were nothing short of confidence in that area. We're it's true. And so, man, and actually I grabbed Austin because Austin was 16 or 17 actually by that time. 17, yeah. And so um, I was like, well, it's time for you to work, son. Let's go find some work. And he'd kind of been working with us, well, actually throughout forever. But this was more like, okay, we've got to go start a business here and, and make this work. And so and me and Austin actually. have to be actually, an active part of it. Like this is like we... Our family needs help at this point because, I don't know, for whatever reason, Seattle's fucking falling apart. Well, we didn't know that yet, kind of. And so me and Austin went and cold called. We took off walking and went and cold called all these small businesses within walking distance. And we were, you know, asking them if they needed help with technology. And it was no. And I was, like, teaching them, well, this is part of sales is you got to get the 10, 15, 20 no's to get a yes or a bite on something and we got a bite on nothing and we worked and worked hard at trying to bring stuff in it was and he was grumpy about it yeah. too he started acting rebellious this was his, in his 17 i think year he viewed it thing. as like it was embarrassing like i don't want to go try to sell myself i don't like, know at some point well he just wrote a post on instagram recently on how he was just dealing with his ego he talked about his photography he was riding a bike he actually got a cheap bike at Goodwill, or at something, Goodwill yeah. a 10 speed, and uh, he was riding it downtown Seattle, which is like a 30 minute drive. And this kid would take off on the bike and ride it all the way down to Seattle and then go talk to homeless people and get their photographs. And he would disappear all day long, often, and uh, into the night sometimes, often. And so yeah. we started, I think, saying, No, dude, not when you're living under our roof. You need to get a job and get a life and contribute and start doing something besides sleeping in the morning all you know it was that typical kind of parenting stuff and he was and rebellious to, to be clear he'd had a really great couple of years we had just had at wilson street he'd had a lot of fun you know yes. there was no requirement to work or anything like that because it just wasn't appropriate he needed to be the teenager he was at that time but now he's coming of age and yeah yeah we and were so now yeah, we're, we're like not going to carry him yeah and actually we weren't even hungry we yet for ourselves yet. <laughs> well, it, well it's we planned and saved and we didn't yes. know how bad it was going to get for work it became really bad but basically we were saying austin you need to go get a job and he was he got to the point where it was like every day and he's like i don't know how to get a job i never had a job and it was just being and a we little gladly jerk. worked through it with him we're oh, like yeah, okay we got to put a resume and, together and then yep. do this we were trying to help coaching him. him and but this went on for weeks if not months and, and i think i had started working with some up. random it was bad and he's not and he like just that. Started saying no. He said he basically got to us at one point in time in the morning. I was like, okay, today you're going out and you're gonna go put out some resumes. And I think we'd already helped him build his resume. And he just looked me, he just squared squared off with me, and he's like, no. And actually, side note, 
is our son had come to that age where he was strong enough, and I started looking at him like, I think he could take me. Yeah, he was a, he was, <laughs> he was a strong, he was strapping, a strappy little guy. And I was like, oh my god, that's a weird place for a dad, by the way, is why I say that, because basically before... Because they were about around, to throw down. This was oh, like... Was ugly. This and this has never happened. This is the most perfect kid and has been since the day he was born. Yep. And but in his youth, if things were out of hand, I could always tackle him and hold him down or whatever needed to happen. Tackle our children. And I would. If well, it, him, not the girls. If it came to it, I swear to God, I'm going to tackle your ass. But anyway, so I, this was maybe around that time when I came to the realization that I think every dad at some point comes to of like, I physically couldn't take this guy. Yeah, and the shit's going down. kick my ass, he's kicking my ass. Because <laughs> <laughs> shit's going down. And, I and we were pissed. And, and I, I was, yeah. ugh, I was so angry with him. And it was really he hard. he literally to... said, no, I'm not going to work. I'm not going to contribute. I'm going to do whatever I want under your roof, and you're going to feed me was the basic what I was hearing. And it was really hard to be the mom in between that because I had to kind of step in and go, okay, everybody needs to calm down. And I yeah. really didn't approve of, at all of Austin's behavior, but also the tension in the... The tension that this created in our house sucked. It well, was... that morning it came to a head. Oh shit! Did it ever? And the girls were hiding, and Jen was like, "Uh oh." I was Dad's like, "I'll mad. make pancakes if anybody wants pancakes." Yep. And we were probably yelling at each other, and I was trying to be as stern as I could be. I was probably yelling. And I was Greg mad. doesn't yell. No, yell. I don't get mad, and I was mad. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. And so I was like, "Fine, give me your keys." And so he's all, no, fine, here's here's your keys. And I said, now get out. Now my heart hit the ground. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there. I had no idea this was going in that direction. And I'm not sure you did either. Nope. But to hear my husband kick my son out of our house, I literally gasped. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. But I Yeah, we did but, not have this discussion. No, there was no discussing <laughs> that this would even go that direction. However... I just want to point out, as a mom, sometimes you need to shut your mouth and you need to let the boys handle the boys. And she did. And I didn't. I can't say that I knew that instinctively. But no, I I felt it instinctively. Everything inside of me wanted to step in and go, Greg, what the fuck are you doing? And let, I need to have a word with you right now. And that's I was actually my, surprised she kept her mouth shut. And because that's my boy. It's my yep. only boy, and he's a mama's boy, and I know that. I know that. I'll be the first to admit that. But. For some reason, my instinct, I did not jump in and do that. And I'm so glad because this was a moment where a man was making a man out of a boy. Well, and that little fucker looked at me and walked out. And then I was like, my <laughs> son is never going to yep. come home. I got terrified at that point because he had that pissed, <laughs> committed look. And he was like, he didn't say shit, I don't think. And I think he just left. And I was like, oh my God, he might not come back. This might be that moment. At 17 years old, where his story is, I left my house at 17. And I knew we loved each other enough to where we'd come back together at some point in time, but I literally remember feeling that, and I was like, shit. And he jumped on his bicycle and took off. So we waited around for maybe an hour or so. No, I don't think we waited at all. No, we did because, well, no, we waited a little bit because I was like, maybe he'll come back. We need to resolve this. I was really scared. Yes. And we waited a little bit, and then that started, he didn't come home, and that started to sink in. And, and we, we started feeling like, oh. And it's like, we got to get out of this house because that's all we're going to be doing is just waiting for him. And this this is not good. We didn't feel yep. good. So we, we jumped in the car, the went girls. to the mall, and got your ears pierced. Yes, that's when I got my ears pierced. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Anyway. So yep. he, all day long, we, we kept checking. And we had the phone, I guess. Did he have a phone? He had a phone, and we had a yes. phone. 
and uh, we kept checking our phones. I think phone. they were flip phones by then. They were razors, yeah. And, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and so we were checking our phone every five minutes, you know, and it's just we were driving ourselves crazy, and the poor oh, girls, they were so tough. scared. So we just walked around the mall with Greg's newly pierced ears and um, staring at the phone. Staring at the phone, and then at one point trying like, not to call him. I think Jen kept trying to call him, and I was like, no, I no, wanted no, no, to, no, no, I wanted to, but we, I, we never did. And uh, so finally, you know, we spent our day out six hours, seven hours after, you know, seven hours after I kicked him out, we showed back up at home. Right. Something. Something like that. It was a long. It, it was felt like a later long in day. the day, evening. So we pull up in our house. Pull up in our house, and where Jen's standing in that picture is you parked in front of this house off the street. Then you walk down this long sidewalk where Jen's standing with her gun and the dog shitting behind her and the organic the lettuce. lettuce yeah. You walk past and all that. Then you walk past all that towards the creek, and then you go up the stairs and wave to Nacho and the kids. Yep. And then you come up onto the front porch with the cool view, and it was raining. It was cold and wet. Cold and Much wet. Much like all it is today. Day. Yes, where we shouldn't be. We should have stayed in Bend. Where it's bright and sunny and warm and we're still cold and raining and the sound you hear is the windshield wipers. That misty, cold, wet, muggy day. Well, not muggy, really. Anyway, it was cold and wet and we're like worried about it because that's hard. You need shelter. And I know he didn't have any money. We knew he didn't have money because the fucker didn't have a job. (laughs) Anyway, go ahead. We walk up the stairs. So we walk up the stairs. We turn the corner on the stairs. And our son is sitting there, huddled and probably shivering. He was wet and cold. And next he was to the shivering. front door, and crying probably. He wasn't crying, but you he could, was sad. He was somber, man. Yeah, he had uh, got his ass kicked. And he apologized. He did. He apologized, and he said, "I'll go get a job." And I was, again, I had been lecturing this little fucker. And this is his life. So here's the scene. So we have. And hugged. he's not going to say anything differently. If you think we're being harsh, no, I he'll listen read to this. Or this is the story. The story because yeah, we've told this story in front of him. And so he hugs us. We welcome him in. We have hot chocolate and dinner or whatever. Oh, we I went to straight to feed him. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. I went straight to cooking and yeah. And he went straight to eating. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he was hungry and cold. Yeah. And realized he had nowhere to go and nothing to do, and it was a good life lesson. It turned out to be. It was be. a great parenting lesson. It really was. That was a. Uh, it's like that you one gotta, stood you out gotta for be us. tough sometimes, and we were tougher than we've ever had to be. Before. That was by that far was the, first the tough toughest moment. tough love and thing if, we ever if, did. I gotta say, with if, risk. if that was the first tough parenting moment we'd had, we had some pretty damn good kids because that was our first kid at 17 years in. Well, each one of them, for whatever reason, and we've said this for a long time, they lost their shit at 17 years old and for about a year. And we had tough love for the other two at their 17th year and different stories. So we bring him in, and so I probably sat down with him again or re-coached him on, okay, this is how you get a job. You get a bunch of resumes. You try to get two or three out a day, applications. You you know, you go to and these different like, stores. And we're feeling pretty egotistical in our parenting right here. Oh, my because God. We're like, we're like, dude, this is how it works, and it's going to still take a week or two. And, yep. And so adamant about this. And so we're, like, printing him a resume or whatever, and he was going to go down to Staples, or Kinko's? Staples. Staples, right down Staples the Staples was a couple of blocks away from us. And we handed that to him, and he jumped on his bike or walked to take his resume down to go fill out a handful of applications, and he was going to have to report back to me on how many applications he gave and where. Yep. And, you know, for every day, for the next two weeks. However until long it, it takes to get a job. Yeah, Guess what like, happens? That yes. mother... Guess what happens? Uh, that motherfucker got a job at Staples. 
He didn't just get a job. He got the copy center management job. Well, I think at first he ended up the copy center manager, yeah. but at first they just said, yeah, we need some yeah, help with the copy went, center. He's yeah. like, hey, I need to make copies of my resume. And they're like, great, you want a job? That's how his, that's his life, And that has been his life, and anyway, let's wrap Forever. that story up. That's just... Oh, it was wonderful and terrible, and then he and killed it at Staples, and he started making his own money and building his own life. And, and he worked at the copy center as a photographer, so he was able he to print... Went, he, he printed, printed shit tons of his photography while he was yeah, there. He printed us posters of his photography. So that was our decor. We finally had decor in our house. That's right. Anyway, let's move on. We've got so that was cool. On. And so... Um, so then, you know, we were still struggling on how to make a living, and I don't know how this, how the timeline, we were there 11 months total before we left, but um, at some point we decided, okay, we're going to start our own business, and so we were a bare naked family, and we came up with bare naked farms, and what we thought we would do, and we bought barenakedfarms.com, and we Mind you, photo shoot. we've never been farmers, we've never, never we farmed a nothing. goddamn thing in, in we our no life. landscape, we knew they, how to mow a lawn. We couldn't even keep houseplants alive. I know. So let's let's yeah. Let's so we'll have to bust story. through that. We buy matching shirts and do a photo shoot in front of a barn, and we start marketing ourselves with flyers around the city. What was the point? We were gonna guard garden for people. We were gonna land. We wanted to landscape and make. It was that organic lettuce shit. So basically, because I wanted, we, we made went a and, box and we planted yes. some lettuce, we decided to make a fucking business out of that. It, that's exactly what we did. <laughs> and remember, I got the worms, and so I was into the worms. Okay, clarify how you got worms, please. And like, then the, <laughs> <laughs> the red worms, I think they were called. But anyway, you make like you make a worm composting farm. worm. Composting okay, worms. Yeah. And so what I learned is we learned, I guess, is about yeah. composting worms. And so I went and bought a multi-tiered composting worm bin. No, you built it, but yeah. I built it, and we had a garage, too, remember, so I could build stuff, so we bought tools, got tools, whatever, Right. and anyway. so I built these worm bins that would have make compost tea at the bottom and then have three or four layers of For some soil. guy that was going to take a nap on this three-hour drive back home after four shots of espresso, you're yeah, the chatty. four shots of espresso were awesome. These worm bins were cool. I still want to do this, and so we built this I built this worm bin and we went and bought red worms and we were gonna breed them and then we built a raised garden bed and grew lettuce and so I was like hells yeah we're gonna be farmers bitch <laughs> so oh we took those pictures we got the website going we were already hustling there's gotta be some sort of awards for parents like us because clearly we're not we're not typical well, also, we were hustling in all of this, and I think the Bare Naked Farms idea was the bigger, like, okay, well, LLC, and we're just going to make this work. But we were also hustling with doing make-ready, so just in the past experience. Well, let's just wrap this up because this is getting, like... Long. This is getting long and confusing because we did it. We, we had to hustle and do a lot of shit oh in a short God. amount of time. So we went from... We could not do our independent work to... We're going to be farmers, and we made a go of that. We, we did some pretty badass flyers, posted them all over town. That didn't take off. So then we were continuing to hustle. Like, okay, the thing, things started getting really heavy in Seattle. Oh, and we were nothing, building websites. Nothing was working. The I websites, started soliciting websites for 100 bucks because I was just trying anything. Now, and we did a Craigslist, and I actually built a little business out of that. Yeah. But, like, we started that. I think that's when we started realizing shit is going bad in Seattle, not just for us, oh, but for yeah. everybody else. And so oh, we the, had been hearing about the layoffs at Microsoft. Like, yeah. 100,000 people got laid off in the tech industry. And that's including massive. Including Microsoft. And so Seattle was flooded at this time 
with unemployed, unemployed people, professional people. And I think it was a little micro uh, collapse or something. Yeah. But the whole Seattle economy busted, and everybody's yep. out of work. So now even just finding regular work, like we had just lectured our child on going to find, we could not find because Greg went to a job interview at a restaurant for what a few positions, and yep. 150 people turned out. And yeah, these are not just interview. And these, yeah. are, these aren't just like restaurant people. These were people with like tech Hungry. degrees and stuff yep. that were making, you know, $200,000 a year all going for restaurant management jobs, server jobs. And none of us could get those jobs because there was 150 people vying for the same job. So jobs, everything yep. started becoming really heightened. And I we think were, that was the trigger where we're like, okay, look, we're enough just with not your farm idea. Here. We're gonna... Enough with your farm idea. <laughs> Enough with climbing under houses to fix pipes. Well, let's and... explain that. So our, our our parents, who we haven't really properly introduced into this thing, Jack and Jeannie, Greg's step-parents, um, well, I guess you gave her a little bit of an introduction. Yeah. We had started hanging out with them, and they had a lot of rental properties. They're in the real estate. Jeannie's a real estate uh, agent. Jack was a mortgage broker at the time. So they had a lot of investment properties. So they were so sweet to throw us bones. Instead of hiring other contractors to come do the work, they and would... they're regular contractors. We were cleaning gutters for them. We went under power the house. washing driveways. They're power washing. Yeah, we, we were painted. fixing plumbing. We sent Greg under so many nasty houses. Uh, nasty in the terms of like you know their crawl they're spaces. Crawl spaces. It's terrible yeah. in the northwest. And there's lots of spiders. spiders. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, no, it's pretty tough. so we were hustling. We, there was a job. There was not a job we didn't do. And we were doing make readies. We were painting uh, Jack's apartments and houses. We were setting up all kinds of things. We were trying so hard to just turn a buck. And we were making and enough was, to We were paying paint. rent and then paying rent late and then catching up. And their yeah. landlord was working with us. He was really cool. And, uh, yeah, we were hustling as hard as we could. And things were not working. And we were... We started... Our minds started wandering back to all the work that was in Texas. Okay, real quick. We were going through all that stress. And we were constantly reading online how Austin's economy <laughs> like, was thriving yeah. and like doing the best it had ever done and we were like shit Tons of jobs and what have we done and yep. I mean it was almost like ridiculous we would see it on a weekly basis oh Austin Texas is now doing this Austin Texas is now making yep. this kind of you know mark on the economy it was just like shit and all that said, we were having a blast in Seattle. We were doing all the Seattle stuff yes, again. Yes, Kesley turned 16. Kesley turned 16 and brought her friend Casey up. Oh, no. Oh, we, we, we did, helped and arrange. you fucked it all up. What? You don't remember that? She was totally surprised. She was not. And it's on the fucking American Pie videos. So we had no money, you know, with all the hustle and everything. So Kesley's turning 16, and it's her 16th birthday. So we wanted to do something that we could honor that kind of rite of passage so we um worked out with her best friends casey and ari back in austin these are lifelong homeschooling friends they grew up with uh for you know a few years now and we said uh let's fly them up here let them you know come and surprise her for her birthday we went through all these things and that's when we were recording american pie um videos and we were showing all that we'll talk about american pie in a little bit but um we were in the living room in our office in our bedroom basically and we were going over the details, and you start just talking about Casey and Ari. We had kept it a secret, and Kesley no, overheard it. Was it was vague because she was she still... She knew it, and it's in the video, Greg. You can't back out of this. No, but when Casey showed up in the video we have of Casey and Ari surprising her, she was surprised. She was happy. She was happy to see her people. Did she know? She, babe, it's in the video. I'm Go calling her. I don't think she knew. I think she was surprised. Call her. No, call her later. Call her. <laughs> well, we don't have any signal. We're in Oregon. Oregon. 
Um, so anyway, so look at how beautiful this field is over here. Oh, look how we're we're turning to the blue skies. I'd I like know. to point that out. We're over the Cascades. Can you never take me to that skies. part of Oregon again? I, I kind of. I don't anyway, so Greg blew the 16th birthday Whatever. surprise. So Casey and Ari showed up, and Whatever. Kessler was totally surprised and taken off guard, and she cried. And there's a beautiful video out there, and we you're not wrong. There is a beautiful video, but daughter very happy. And Casey and Ari came and visited and wandered around Seattle. We went camping uh, a lot out there. Yeah, we were doing we all kinds of stuff. We took our ultra van out for camping trips. Super Jimmy easy was to up do. there and we played with him a lot. We got to spend a lot of time with Jack and Jeannie. Yep. We ended up making a lot of fun out of it. But, but 11 months in, we were literally at a place where we were like, okay, we have, I don't know, rent was 1200 bucks. Yeah, it was like 1200 And we had like four, five, 600 bucks. And, and we, we had were going to be late again, yeah. and maybe a check was coming in. Yeah, I think we had money coming in. We cause Not we much, had, though. We had enough. We had a decision to make. We could either pay next month's rent, or, or we could put it in, or, or we could put that in the gas tank and go back to Austin, where the economy was thriving. Yep, where the jobs were and everything else. So we chose to go back to Austin. So we had arranged, and we do this often with leases, is try to help somebody come in and do the lease. Just yeah, take it uh, over. The guy was really cool. He understood. Yep. He was out of work. Some of oh, his yeah. people were out of work. He so totally I mean, he wasn't he wasn't jazzed about it, but he was like, I get it. Well, I'm out of work, and I know what it's like. That's and right. so we said yeah. we gotta go, and so we said our goodbyes. And we loaded up the ultra van and the Euro van. And now and we're gonna got rid of all our crap again. Okay, when we arrived in Seattle in that ultra van, we said. We're never taking oh, yeah. this thing across the country. <laughs> never, ever driving this across the country again. We're going to sell it here or it's going to live here. Right. So um, here we are packing it up to go back across oh, the country. Oh, my God. So, yeah. But, we're... but this time we also have another engine to worry about because we've added the Volkswagen. Yeah, and we didn't really have, I mean, it was running, but we hadn't dug into it yeah, too awful much. No. But we were like, actually, we're excited about that because we're, we're like, if the Ultra Van breaks down, at least we have the Euro Van. But we had to fill both gas tanks and get them across the country. All right. So, and so, then on the Ultra Van, too, I remember thinking, like, okay, how are we going to get this Ultra Van across the country? Because that was difficult through the mountains and, and the Rockies and dangerous. And so we started sketching a route, and somehow it came to us, like, if we can get over these two or three passes up Three north, passes. There was three passes three across. Three passes north of I-90. Look at a map. It was, it was the wrong Washington, way to go. Washington, Idaho, Montana, and then we were clear the passes. We ran Highway 12, if I remember right, north of I-90, and it was the lowest passes, the easier passes, way, mileage-wise, way out of the way. But then we could go to the headwaters of the Missouri River. This is our theory, guys. Let's, this, this is our is theory. Getting, this is getting good. Listen the headwaters this. of the Missouri River, and it's theoretically downhill all the way to Texas. And we know this because of Lewis and Clark. Because of Lewis and Clark. <laughs> because so, they ran upstream to uh, upstream the Missouri River and then came across. I will never forget Greg sitting me down and going, okay, John, this is how we're going to do this. Yep. And I'm expect, I don't know what I'm expecting. Maybe I'm expecting nothing because I know not. She was just like, oh my God, we're going to dump the Ultra Van and live in the Euro Van no, and make it home. No, I, I was thinking, he's, he presents us, he goes, we've got to clear three passes, do this, this, and he tells me about his plan on the Missouri <laughs> River. And I remember going, that's fucking brilliant. Really? Yes. You don't remember that? No. No. I was like all into it. I was just like, Greg, that's probably the smartest thing I ever heard you say. We were terrified to bring this ultra van back across the country. So it was an adventure, needless to say. Needless now, to say. And it worked. 
overall, the, in the whole scheme of things, it worked. We came across, we're just going to have to, we're running late on this thing anyway, but we have a few more bullet points, but we'll just go there later. But we came across can those we also, three passes. Before we go too far, can we, I don't think we properly laid this part out. We theoretically had enough money to yes, get halfway the, to get halfway across the country, not to get to Texas. Yeah, like literally, we're gonna put gas in our vehicles, and I don't think we included food. And we're like, we had enough money I'm sure we for were like, gas we and eat cheap or something, we eat like peanut butter and jelly kind of stuff, whatever. But we literally like, we're gonna be out of money just in the gas tanks. Is somewhere what I around the Midwest. Somewhere around the Midwest, and I had a little bit of side hustle going on with website development and payments there, but it was very, very small and minor and stupid, and. So yeah, so we do, we we developed in our minds doing this American Pie fundraiser. It wasn't really even a fundraiser. I don't even know, but like, is that even worth bringing up? Because yeah, a little bit because we had to get across the country, and we didn't know how. So we came up with this idea for American Pie because it helped us get across the country. I think we raised six hundred to a thousand dollars. Yeah, and so that got us all the way home. On top of hustling for websites on the way home. Yeah, it's so well, how and we were given generosity. It was like a, it was before GoFundMe, and it was a GoFundMe. Yeah, basically. So basically, the idea behind American Pie is here we are trying to hustle to get our slice of the American Pie. Maybe you can help us with that. And we were going to go out and find and interview other people and show other people working and how hard they were working to get their slice of American Pie. Yes. And and if you wanted to help and be a part of this, you buy the slice of pie helps us helps them. And we would go in and help these people if we could. Yes. And so one of our first ones actually was at this uh, little grocery store that this family ran that wasn't even a grocery store really. It was, it was like a grocery outlet or something in this. Yeah, it was kind of cool. They'd go buy and bu- go buy stuff off the docks in Seattle, I think. Yeah. And like pallets of food or whatever. It's kind of like a dollar store for groceries. And uh, and so we went in and we helped them bag groceries and talked about who they were as a family and what they were doing and how they got there and where they were going and all of that. And, and then each pie we serve, we put on a piece of plate, we put on a paper plate, and the, the first ones, the donor, all of them, the donor, uh, would we write their name oh, on yeah. the plate and say this is from so and so. This in is Texas a piece or, of pie from whoever gave us twenty bucks. And or this is to bucks honor your your hustle in the American working yes, field. Yes, thank you. And then we publish yeah. the video, and then everybody felt good. And actually, so we started, we went, I think, and bought it, like Safeway or whatever, we bought an actual apple pie and sliced it up, and it was sloppy and gross and hard to deal with. And so we ended up with moon pies. Because they were packaged, packaged and wrapped. And, we could marshmallow. Just, and so we still put them on a plate with the donor's name yep. and handed them over. So anyway, yep. we were doing American Take Pie. Take videos and pictures of that. And we ended up doing a ton of people. We ended up, it ended up being one of those projects that was like super powerful, monumental, and it was awesome. But anyway, so... That we, was cool. But so, that was a little fundraiser to get us home. So we get, let's get on the road and get us home, okay? Because we're almost home ourselves here. Okay, so yeah, I think the, re- the rest of that journey, which was freaking epic, but the gist of it was we got to the Missouri River, uh, and it was frozen at those lakes or whatever. <laughs> that yeah. was terrifying. We thought we were going to die. It was it was be- it was beyond cold. Uh, uh, we were hoping that because it was March, we were coming into spring, we wouldn't hit some of the temperatures we were hitting. In fact, we got over the three mountain passes, just like you said. And then it was, we hit the prairie land yep. and we have this amazing picture of where the mountains meet the prairie land. I'll never forget that po- that picture. And, um, uh. and then we started our journey south and it worked. It was theoretically downhill and it was oh, the downhill. The worked it was, great. We got out of the mountains. So we come the across. The carburetors worked good. 
so we ran. Yep. We 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 cruised downhill somewhere. Where was that town that we plugged in that light pole? That was Mo Bridge. Mo Bridge. Missouri. Missouri, I think. Okay, so somewhere around Missouri, Mo Bridge, Missouri. I don't know. Look that up because I want to get that right. Yeah. It was cool. So oh some, my God, these people. So somewhere around there, we're coming into Mobridge, the town of Mobridge, and we. Hit, I think that's the first time we put our eyes on the Missouri River. That's what that Mobridge, was. South Dakota. South Dakota. Okay, that was the first time we put our eyes on the Missouri River that we were planning on following well down the Midwest, and we were driving. So Austin and I were driving in the Volkswagen, following Greg and the girls in the Ultra Van. So Austin and I are leading forward, looking out the windshield, and I go, Austin, is that the Missouri River? And he goes, Yeah, it's Missouri River. I said, but what's in it? And it was like the oh, yeah. stuff in it. And I was like, my eyes weren't making sense of what I was seeing. It wasn't <laughs> like, I'd no. never seen this before in my life. And I was like, but what's happening? What is it in the Missouri River? And he couldn't figure it out. And the closer we had to wait till we got closer, turns out the entire goddamn river was frozen in chunks. I was like, yep. This and, is... and, and, and the Ultra Band was not insulated. And it did not have a heater. I mean, we could run a heater if we found electricity, but... That's right. We didn't have a propane heater. Nope. And so we were like, it's going to be that cold here. And I think we looked it up, and it was like minus two or something stupid, and we're like, we might die. I think it was like going to be minus 21 Maybe. or something like that. Yeah, I remember it, it being bad. significant. We were scared. And so we pulled into a motel with no money and asked him... Or no, we called him from the pizza joint. Yeah, we went and had pizza. Oh, and we verified with the cop in the parking lot. Sir, how cold is it going to be tonight? He's yeah. like, minus 21 degrees. Yep. And so we called this hotel and said, do you have any electric we can plug in outside? And they said, sure, we got a light pole. Come on over. And Brent and Kelly Kinmitz uh, at MoRest Motel let us plug into their light pole. And didn't charge us anything. They were like, charge no. charge us anything. You Found guys... our story, the American Pie thing we did. Austin yeah. actually did a photo shoot for them. I built a website for them. And got their domain for So them. we didn't park for free. We worked for it. And that we was did. Awesome. We worked for it. And that was part of the American Pie. And then they ended up, said, go across the street. The next morning we wake up. Morning. We say our goodbyes. Thank you so much. Yep. We talked hosting and stuff. How we'd keep it up for them and everything. Super sweet couple. And he gives you a $100 bill. No, he said, go across the street and fill up your vehicles. No, I thought he, he gave you a $100 bill. He did. He gave me a $100 bill and said, go yes. across the street and fill up your vehicles with gas. Courtesy of us. And we're like... And our cat took off, too, on that one. And oh, that's... We thought, we, oh, we my got God, it we thought back, we lost but, the cat that was 10 years. But anyway, yeah. we found it. Anyway, um, so we go across the street, and he not only paid Greg $100 for his efforts, he filled both of our gas tanks up for free Yeah. and said, good luck, guys. I just let that domain expire because I hadn't heard from them and I couldn't get in touch with them. So, so all these years later, what was that, 2010? 10. And, and I just let it expire because I told them last year, I think, I just, I'm not going to keep this and I got to move servers and all that. Yeah. And I never heard back from them and I didn't bother calling them. And that's all right. It's really... 10 years later. I feel I like know. that's okay, but that's really awesome. 10 years later, that just awesome. recently, we've had to just let that connection go. I hosted that and kept that website going. And you never charged them for it? Never. Not once. That was so amazing. So we paid for that all these 10 years. Oh, that was good. That's so a should... great story. That's a, I love that I, one. And yeah. I, they were sweetest people anyway, ever. Let's, they were fantastic. We're getting close to home, so we need to wrap this up. Yes, and we're also 50 minutes on the timer that I started 10, 15 minutes in. Okay. And so... Um, so I we, think there is a wrap-up. I mean, what is it? It's well, the I moral think, of the story. No, fuck. <laughs> we didn't even get to Wayne. No, we are not. We can't. That's way too big. Okay, so then we are at a, we're at a good stop. Yeah, so we ended up breaking down again, and there's a whole story there related to End of the Wild and an intimate experience with Christopher McCandless's stuff. 
We'll have to go into that later. That's a good cliffhanger. That is a good cliffhanger. Just because we said cliffhanger, don't expect that to be the next story. Because we might find a whole different random picture be inspired by that. <laughs> but don't make no mistake. Nope. This South Dakota into the wild story will be coming. Ain't no rules, man. All right. So anyway, we cruised out of Mobridge. And we started hitting those um, warmer temperatures. Because that's what you do in the south. And we made it to Austin. And we, oh my gosh, yeah, we made it to Austin like and a few days later. That's all, we gotta wrap this up. So we make it to Austin. Mind you, we just crossed the country with no money to our name. We pull into town. We park at Elliot Julie's uh, driveway. Our neighbors on Wilson Street, our famous yeah. little house that we loved. Two houses down, we park, and two weeks later, we buy a coffee shop. It's true. <laughs> I don't know how it works. I don't know how that works either. But anyway, I but, just. Uh, I was just really grateful uh, we that... We had some adventures, man, and we just hung in there together. I was really grateful that we went to the Northwest and that we went back to Texas. You know, and that was really super stressful. Leaving Austin was stressful. Losing those clients that we had built up in Austin was stressful. Building money again and all of that in Seattle was stressful and running out of money and American Pie and coming back and old vans and all of that was super stressful. But we found, again, through all of this just leaning on each other leaning on each other was amazing and trusting in that parenting part that we went through with austin trusting in each and other's you know, parenting let me say too when me and austin got there we were bonding like never before just father son bonding we had that fallout that fight but when we first got to seattle one something that i just remembered that stood out in my mind is we walked up this mountain we walked up to poo poo point yep and it was it's a hard walk it's a really hard hike and me and Austin took off. The girls stayed home. We hiked up to Poo Poo Point, which is a beautiful hang gliding thing. And so we walked, and all the way up, we talked about, I might get this wrong, but basically all the way up, we talked about missing Austin, Texas, and like all the wonderful things about Austin, Texas. And he was heartaching over his friends and everything else. And all the way down, we talked about everything we loved about Seattle and so grateful that we were there. And we didn't knock that off until we were off the mountain. And didn't he say something like, well, Dad, it's nice to have two places to love so much. He did. Absolutely said that. He was heart aching over his friends. I was heart aching over whatever. And that's a real good lesson for me and you. Yeah. That is really special that we love two places. He absolutely did say that. I remember that. I got that from going up and down, loving the two places and the wisdom of that 16, 17-year-old kid. So with that, loving two places, I love you. I love you. And this is freaking amazing that we're in the Northwest and we love things about this. And I know you love things about the Northwest, though you'll never admit them. Oh, shit. I have admitted some of them. Come on. It's beautiful. We're coming out of you Sisters gotta, and this is wide open fields and yeah. blue skies and it is beautiful here. Yeah. And she does. She's There's snow-capped mountains around us and it's gorgeous and she does admit and then I love Texas in the winter well, I love Craig even though I love te Texas is wonderful for all the reasons it is alright anyway enough of that I love you I love you too you're my best friend you're my best friend Kadunk.